Listener Production. Before we start, a warning. What you're about to hear involves sexual abuse against children. Listener discretion is advised. Some details have been changed to protect the identities of victim survivors. Police have also obscured some methodologies used to catch child abuse perpetrators so as to not compromise ongoing investigations. The love zone is gone. For good. But just as Task Force Argos shuts down one child exploitation site, a bigger one emerges to take its place. Like their namesake, the Greek myth of Argos Panoptes, the all-seeing guard, the team is always on the lookout. But for all their efforts, our kids are far from safe. I've been following Argos in their fight against online child abuse for six years. And all this time, I've also been raising two daughters. One's grown up, the other one's just a kid. Like, do you think that your interactions now at 22 were a lot different than what they were when you were... 15, 16? Well, 13, you were on the internet. This is my eldest daughter. And through all these years, I've been watching her as a teenager discover social media and selfies just as I was learning how dangerous it could all be. And now we have to help my youngest daughter get through it all. You're cool now. You're 22. You're out of the woods. What are we going to do with your little sister? She's only seven. I don't know. When she was like three, she didn't even know what numbers were. She didn't know how to count, but she knew what pattern to do to like get a phone and to get onto YouTube. So obviously when kids are in primary school or getting into high school, they already probably have access to the internet, already on the internet. But the way the education system is like just, oh no, like that doesn't happen. Like, I don't know if it's just because they don't want to have to admit to what's happening or what. She's right. We do need to admit what's happening and face it head on. I'm Akim Dev. This is The Children in the Pictures. Episode 8, The Hope and the Good. Now I'm travelling the world to try and find the answers to the questions I've asked myself so many times through the years of following this story. How do we help the children who become victims? And for parents like me... How do we stop our kids becoming victims in the first place? I'm in North Carolina to see Dr. Sharon Cooper. She's a former military officer and a developmental and forensic paediatrician. She was one of the first experts in the world to sound the alarm about the internet, facilitating an epidemic of child sexual abuse. We know for sure when images exist, it causes increased guilt, increased shame, and increase self-blame. So those three dynamics is what makes children be unable to disclose. Dr. Cooper says that when children's abuse is documented, like in videos and images, it often stops victims from speaking out. So what we do know is that if you look at children who have been photographed or videotaped, their non-disclosure rate is much higher non-disclosure is much higher than the children who've been sexually abused without images. It's easier to let yourself think that these things only happen to other people's children. But for two decades, 
Dr. Cooper has been trying to raise the alarm about how the internet is radically amplifying the challenges of childhood for everyone. The internet has only made things harder, I would say, uh, in the sense that children learn a lot of their behaviors from the internet. And so they will try to depict themselves as older and more worldly, even when they're not. Many countries have now had white papers that have been published on allowing children to be children, trying to encourage society and families to allow children who are between 5 and 10 and 11 to dress like children, to think like children. Do not expose them to um, highly sexualized content or technology that the parent or caregiver is not going to monitor. Uh, Do not put these children on autopilot because they're too young. And uh, the American Psychological Association had a special task force to look at this. And their report called The Sexualization of Girls helped us to recognize that after reviewing more than 300 studies, girls today do not see their value anymore in their intelligence, in their good grades, in their athletic abilities, or in their musical talents. Today, a girl sees her only value in her sexuality. And if she's not sexy, she's not okay. And so what the American Psychological Association calls that is self-sexual objectification. You see yourself as a sexual object. Unfortunately, if you allow children in young years to begin to buy into that, that my only value, mommy, is if I'm really sexy, then that makes these children at higher risk for compliant victimization. In other words, if kids start seeing their value as sexual objects from a young age, they're more likely to be vulnerable to a predator who's trying to groom them. And that is actually the next frontier of child exploitation in the form of selfies and self-generated images. I'm talking about children and teenagers documenting themselves in images and videos. These can end up in the wrong hands online, leaving kids vulnerable to grooming, blackmail and extortion. And it starts earlier than parents would ever suspect. We've had children, six-year-olds, who have been playing uh, video games and have been groomed through the video game on a phone to make nude images of themselves and send it to that person that they have met, quote-unquote, in the video game. They don't really know who that person is, but, you know, it's no big deal. They tell them how to do it. Um, I've seen a patient in the last six months in the emergency room where that happened. She was just a six-year-old. So... In the really young children, I think they don't really get the uh, gravity of what they are complying with. But it's usually around age 9, 10, 11, certainly by the preteen years, that you start to see extortion for self-generation becoming a huge issue. And um, we would like to think that these are girls or boys who already have something wrong with them, poor decision makers, you know, learning disabilities in school, low self-esteem. We would like to think that that's the case, but that's not necessarily the case. These can be otherwise well-adjusted kids who just think this is the norm, you know, and it's what people do. But some of our highest risk patients or victims are those who are exploring their sexuality. 
and therefore um, have either come out and um, feel like they can never meet anybody without giving in to these kinds of requests. I mean, I, look, this is Dutch behaviour that I, I think has probably gone on since the beginning of time. It has, There's it just has, something right. about a 12-year-old where they start to roll the dice, right? They right. start to take risks. That's right, that's right. The problem, of course, is that it's in cyberspace. And therefore, it's not just between you and that other person. You know, whereas you might have been sitting on the park bench and, you know, he says, let me just see this about you, or et cetera. Face to face, that's a different story. I think one of the factors that increases the risk for this occurring for young, for adolescents, preteens and adolescents, is um, if they are already communicating too much online. If their primary, I use the term conversations, are not face to face. If they are almost always through text messaging or some other medium that way, that's a risk factor. Dr. Cooper knows exactly what's at risk. She's presented at two US congressional hearings about the lasting impacts of sexual abuse on child victims and how that manifests in adult trauma. And now she's spreading the word about the next frontier of child abuse. I did a grand rounds for a children's hospital on this uh, early this year. <laughs> and the um, forensic pediatrician who invited me said, the auditorium is usually half full, but there was standing room only when it said, sexting because all gray-haired white-coated doctors were there like <laughs> listening because I want to understand a little bit better what is this all about you know it was so hard for them to to really grasp it's a very common behavior it is a normalized behavior that's the the, the second piece we have to be aware of we have to deal with it just like teen smoking and teen drinking it's a almost a rite of passage behavior so if we recognize it that way, then we can have a dialogue with children about, let's talk about how to be safe when you decide to do this. Therefore saying, when you decide to do this so that they can come back and tell you, this is what I did and here's what's happening, right? That's what needs to happen. Otherwise, uh, children will not be able to, to reach out for help. I'm in Brisbane in a car riding shotgun, cruising towards the Australian Centre to counter child exploitation, or the ACE. It's one of the few centres in the world solely dedicated to this growing crime type. And it's now the Argos Victim ID headquarters. Crazy. <laughs> oh my God, big roads, huh? In the driver's seat is Adele Desir. She used to work for Interpol as a Victim ID specialist in the child exploitation unit. Honestly, I don't like driving very much, <laughs> especially in Australia. It's very, very confusing. Hmm. I used to drive on the other side of the road, you know? The Interpol office is in Lyon, and Adele tells me she definitely prefers French roads. Oh, what's happening here? Oh my God, did he have the right to do that? I don't know. After years of collaboration with Task Force Argos on the outside, Adele moved to Brisbane to join the team in 2017. I really, really wanted to join the team. I really wanted to work with them and to see how we could, you know, solve cases together. What does it feel like when you're tracking these identities on the dark web? Like, 
I don't know. I always thought it'd be kind of like like you're hunting them. I don't like to say that because <laughs> you know they're not animals. <laughs> but um, no, it's um, it's a job. It's investigation. It's my job is to identify criminals to protect children. You don't think these guys are animals? No, they're people. Mm. They're probably the worst people we can find, but they're people. What process do you need to do in your head to be able to not hate them? Hating won't solve anything. <laughs> no, it's really about, you know, helping the victims. I think that's how we should look at it. Well, I thought about that long and hard and thought to myself, you know, like, why am I fascinated with the vindictive side of things or, you know, wanting to catch the bad guy? And it's because I'm completely powerless in doing anything for the victim. Telling the story of the Love Zone and the Argos team has often made me feel completely powerless. What I saw happening to children on the dark net disrupted everything. My relationships, my mental health, my sleep. But something has always struck me about Adele. She always seemed quietly invincible. And I think it's because she's always been so laser-focused on helping children. And now... Back in the Argos office talking to the team, I can see that's what's allowed them to keep doing this work for so long. My producer Simon Nash and I are sitting with victim ID lead Paul Griffiths. After years of spending time with him, watching him work, it feels more like a catch-up with a friend, more than just another interview. A lot of people describe you as unflappable, um, quite stoic, but pain in the ass. <laughs> um, there isn't really a ceiling to what you're going to encounter on this job. There are things that can still shock you. Yeah, definitely. There's things that can still shock. Um, I think it's impossible to prepare yourself to be not shocked by anything. And in fact, I think if you got to the position where you weren't shocked, then you've got a problem, really. What really, really shocks me scares me as a parent is what I've been learning about these new threats to children's safety. So I want to ask the team what they think comes next in the fight. Argos boss John Rouse reckons the best defence is to do what parents have always done, to keep an eye on where your kids are playing. Except now, the playgrounds are online too. The big threat now is the online world. That didn't exist when I was a kid. The chances of me coming across a child sex offender when I was a kid out running around, the odds stacked against that are phenomenal. But the chances of a child now coming across a child sex offender are exponential. So as a parent, you should be concerned. You should take an interest in the technology you're giving your child. But don't be fearful about them going outside and playing and being kids. It is the online world that is a danger, 100%. You've been listening to this series about predators sharing child exploitation material on the dark web. And in a way, it's easier to think that's where it stays, encrypted and hidden, not a part of our everyday lives. But the truth is, there are now predators operating on every single gaming and social media platform out there, trying to groom our kids. 
right out in the open, sometimes while we're in the next room. Simon and I sit with Adele and ask her what she thinks should be done to fight it, and she doesn't hold back. I think um, any social media companies, any internet provider in general, is just help us as much as you can. You know, when we tell you we have abuse going on on your platform, when we tell you there is a victim there, don't hide between, you know, false pretense, you know, no, we can't, or no, there is this, or no, there is that, or, or we are going to give you, but just the very minimum, you know, this doesn't help. When you know you have a victim, you just have to give, you know, everything you can. That's our best chance in rescuing them. When you know abuse is going on and when you know you you can do something to help a child, you have to do it. Don't find excuses. It's tough. There are excuses or at least arguments about the right approach. Alongside calls to protect kids online, digital activists are fighting to protect citizens' privacy online from governments, law enforcement and corporations. It's a tightrope and we're yet to have a serious conversation about how we balance all this out. But wherever you stand on the online privacy versus child safety debate, Adele says if social media companies won't do enough to protect children, it's parents who will have to. I I would say just, um, I think at the moment, the biggest threat to children is the online abuse, like what we call the capping, the grooming. And it's all happening because kids have unsupervised access to mobile devices or computers. And probably the most effective prevention we can do as a caregiver is on that side, like monitoring technology access um, and have this conversation with children that this may happen and that if it happens, you need to talk to me immediately. I won't get mad, even if you showed something, even if you took a nude selfie, you know, it's really important that they know, okay, even if that happens, they can come to the parents and the parents will protect. They won't be mad, they won't, because that's the problem when we see all this blackmailing happening. It's because the child thinks they have no one to turn to, to talk about the situation. In other words, there's no magic bullet. Parents need to work on having a good relationship with their kids, built on good conversations. Just have open discussions and good monitoring, especially when children are very young. Uh, We see sometimes victims as young as seven, less, I don't know. Uh, Very, very young children. I think these kids should just not get a phone. (laughs) Like, no, (laughs) why? (laughs) You know, um, just put a good password or, you know, hide it. But um, I don't think at that age you can have a good understanding of what's happening and this type of discussion, even if they should happen probably as early on as possible. I'm in the Argos office. Day in and day out, the team monitors the most unimaginable material to find the children in the pictures. While I've been putting together this series, there's been other disturbing images playing out on screens at home, on our phones, everywhere. Bombs and bodies in Ukrainian cities and reports of Ukrainian children being displaced by war. Russia has invaded Ukraine with dozens of people killed and thousands fleeing for safety. Deliberate attacks on civilians, which would constitute uh, a war crime. Putin chose this war, and now he and his country will bear the consequences. 
While Adele's not specifically monitoring the war in Ukraine, she's starting to see perpetrators talk about it online in dark web forums, making plans to take advantage of the situation. Just when you think you've seen all there is to see, Adele shows me some posts. It's horrific. When Adele saw the news about the war, she thought one thing. Oh my God, so many kids are going to be abused. Oh my God, yeah, really, I think we all had that thought. But yeah, unfortunately, in our world, that's what we see all the time, like people taking advantage of, you know, very sad situation or disastrous situation. Um, When you are a predator, that's exactly the type of situation you want to take advantage of. And yeah, it's very shocking because um, we are talking about raw refugees here, but it happens every day in every country. Just mom, a single mom, disadvantage, you know, situation, you know, and they find a good Samaritan Samaritan. uh, that turns out to be a child predator. It happens all the time. Hi. How are you? Oh, I've just got to put up my jacket and we can go. I'm travelling in New York with my eldest daughter. We've always been pretty close. And all the years I was investigating online child abuse, I did whatever I could to educate her about the internet. But she's also witnessed what the worst of the internet has done to me. But I guess you've sort of seen what's happened to your old man. You notice any changes? Yeah, I know. I guess it's pretty heavy stuff to be surrounded by and working with, especially having two daughters at such different age gaps as well. Lots of different emotions and fears and stuff while working, I guess. I mean, you know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame like the end of a marriage or um, other things like that on the project, but you don't think it made an impact. Huh? You don't think it made an it made an impact? Of course it did. Yeah. I mean, I had a breakdown, you know, I got a full full on, you know, shaking on the floor, mm. seizure, and that's going to affect your brain, no matter what. For a long time, I felt stuck. I had seen the children in the pictures but I felt totally powerless to stop this epidemic of online child abuse, but not anymore. You were at the UN, uh, you had the whole world in one place, only place in in the world that every single country is represented. That's Mitch Fifield, Australia's ambassador to the United Nations. I've been invited to speak to UN diplomats at the Australian mission in New York. Right across section here, we have uh, uh, the ambassador from El Salvador, uh, Cabo Verde, from Azerbaijan, uh, Maldives, Dominican Republic, uh, and also... Uh, My daughter's watching me from the crowd, and when I catch her eye, it was probably the only moment where I nearly choked on my well-rehearsed speech. Seeing her in the audience made me feel so proud and so emotional, and also more determined than ever. But, Jim, what a project. Um, tell us, what is it that led you to create this? And 
what was the effect? I've always been a documentary maker, but now I'm realising I have to be a messenger. I'm speaking to politicians, diplomats, CEOs and NGOs around the world, all with the power to make change. I'm here to tell them that silence isn't good enough. We need to admit online child abuse is everywhere. It's growing and it grows because of the silence. Before I share how I made this documentary and what brings us here today, I just want to acknowledge the human suffering in Ukraine right now. While of course you've heard the news reports, these are the reports that Adele has passed on to me. These are the words from the online abusers. And I quote, is it true that you can get Ukraine kids in Germany cheap? If Ukraine gets bad enough, I wouldn't mind green carding a nice teen from there. But yeah, an orphan isn't a bad option either. Here in Hungary, a lot of refugees, little girls with poor single mums. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this is a humanitarian disaster within a humanitarian disaster. As I read out Adele's dark web posts about Ukraine, there's a stunned silence. In the audience, I see people weeping quietly. And it makes your efforts here today even more critical than ever. I've been working with John Rouse and Task Force Argos, and they'd opened their doors and shared their cases with me, and I'd just spent hours examining line after line, log after log, of conversations from a dark web board where Argos were running a covert operation. And at the end of the day, John was escorting me out of the building, and I just slumped against the elevator, and I was like, you know, how can, how can you do this every day, man? And John looked at me, and if anyone knows John, he's got a pretty steely look about him. <clears throat> and he said with determination, I'd do it for the children in the pictures. And then click. It was like a switch that flicked on inside my head. I had it all wrong. I'd completely missed the point of what Task Force Argos and their international colleagues were doing. They put the victim first. The rights of a child to live free from sexual abuse was the justice they sought and continue to fight for. It was this switch from victim-centric investigation that allowed me to see the hope and the good. And the team at Argos and their colleagues around the world are my continued inspiration. But for far too long, this has been a burden that we've placed on the shoulders of law enforcement. Well, no longer. It takes a village to raise a child but it'll take a global village to keep that child out of the pictures. Thank you. I look out at the audience, a whole room of people staring at me. All this time when I thought about the myth of Argos, the all-seeing hundred-eyed giant, I'd always visualised the eyes of law enforcement searching for perpetrators online. But the legend tells us Argos was more than that. Argos was a guard, a protector. Now when I think of Argos, I don't imagine him watching the dark web. What I see are countless eyes looking into the light of the real world, protecting the kids in our global village, as we all should. Argos is all of us.
This podcast is dedicated to all victims and survivors of sexual crimes against children and those that stand against the sexual exploitation of children. If you know a child in immediate danger, please contact police. Call triple zero. For non-urgent police assistance, contact 131 4. If you need immediate support, contact the Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800 or Lifeline on 13 11 14. For more information and help, go to childreninthepictures.org or head over to the ACE site, the Australian Centre to Counter Child Exploitation, acce.gov.au. This podcast is a listener production made by the Factual Original Podcast team. Head of Factual and Drama for Listener Original Podcasts is Jennifer Goggin. Co-produced in collaboration with DNX Media. Produced and reported by me, Akim Dev, and Simon Nasht. Sound design, composition, and audio production by Darcy Thompson. Production assistance and theme composition by Matthew Dwyer. Additional audio production by Michael Letho. Our series producer is Romy Scher. Fact check by Bonnie Lavelle. Factual original podcast executive producers are Belinda Lopez and Emma Lancaster. Queensland Police were consulted for this production. Thanks to Argos and the other global child protection agencies who shared their stories with us. Special thanks to Dr. Asa Kasbaum and Dr. Jacqueline Goldstein for their guidance and expertise. And if you're concerned about your own thoughts and feelings or behaviours towards children, there is support. Stop It Now is an anonymous Australian helpline that aims to support adults who have sexual thoughts about children to prevent offending. The helpline is also for parents, professionals, family and community members who come across child sexual abuse. If you're worried about an adult or young person's sexual behaviour offline or online, you can call the anonymous helpline on 1800 01 1800 or use a live chat or secure messaging service. To find out more, head to stopitnow.org.au.